Welcome to episode 146 of Coffee Pods and Wads. As always, this episode is sponsored by Rain Bodyfield, the ultimate fitness focused drink to support your performance, and also sponsored by BurrBoxCoachingDevelopment.com, which will help develop a coach in a personal sense through self discovery while learning academically about the psychological side of coaching. And you can use the code PODS for 20% off that. The gymnastics course have also launched their online course, and they've got online coaching platform as well. And they've got some upcoming dates, including Belfast. And you can go to thegymnasticscourse.com to find out more information about all that. Today's guest is Jake Marconi. Uh, Jake is an athlete and a coach and probably one of my favorite interviews to date. Uh, we chat about how he got into fitness as a school kid, taking on the Granite Games, working out with Fraser and testing out the hard work pays off programming as well as coaching classes during Games Week. Enjoy, listen, share and tag. Thanks so for doing this. First of all, I um, I really appreciate taking time out. I, I was assumed you were giving up a large chunk of time, but you're kind of housebound. So I guess it's, um, you know, you probably owe me for entertaining you, I guess. I think you, I think I do. <laughs> um, so we first, well, I, I first became aware of you through, through Cooper and um, when you were competing down in Vegas and then Granite Games and stuff, but we first uh, made contact with you, I suppose, when I saw your coffee set up at your house yeah. and I was like, all right, okay. Like, yeah, th- there's, there's a conversation starter. Um, so you've got, not only have you got like a decent setup but you've also got like numerous statue animals protecting the coffee as well i do they're sitting right next to me <laughs> um so what have you always been interested in coffee or is this like a newfound thing uh no i've always liked coffee i i'm not <laughs> i'm not like a coffee nerd in the sense that uh like fraser is in the in that like it's really down to the details uh i just really like the the ritual of coffee and not in like a the ritual way. I just enjoy, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just enjoy uh, going to coffee shops specifically yeah. and hanging out. Uh, it started with my mom and I when I was really young. Uh, so I grew up on a farm. Uh, coffee break was at seven o'clock or seven thirty, And so we'd get to the farm in the morning, we'd get to the farm uh what fucking time did you start sorry if you had a break at 7 30 what time did you start at 5 30 why uh so the farm is still gonna be there at (laughs) 7 i know but that's that was what it was so you got there what kind of farm uh, was it at 5 30 horse farm okay so you had to like muck out and we had to muck out the stalls uh bring the horses in from the night before and feed them so we'd get there feed the horses we would muck the stalls uh, and we would groom them. So it's like a stud them. farm. Yeah. You're uh, like, yeah, it was. I was there. We're, <laughs> we're actually, <laughs> yeah, we're actually more on the mirror side. So we have more mirrors and we, we send them out to breed and then they come back and we uh, nurse them through their pregnancy. And then we race the thoroughbreds. Was it's still like a functioning farm now? Oh yeah, my mom's uh, at the racetrack today. Yeah, oh, that's cool. We have a horse racing today at Saratoga, Mrs. Orb. Wow. Yeah. Orb. So doesn't sound like a fit horse, Mrs. Orb. That sounds Mrs. like Mrs. Orb. I don't know where the name came from. I think this is a horse that we might have that we might be a partner in that we okay. didn't name. Yeah. And how how did the who got interested in horses first, or how, is it like a generate? It was it handed down kind of thing, or yeah, so my my grandfather, my mom's mom, 
got into horses. He was into a lot of things. Uh, and he got into horses and their house, my grandfather's house was on like the top of this hill that right below it was a horse farm that we didn't own or he didn't own. Uh, but he started, he bought a horse or bought into a horse and he kept it there. And then just over time, my mom worked there as a kid. And then she moved away when she was like 17 to a horse farm in Kentucky. That was a stud farm with a hundred horses. And it was like in the hills of Kentucky and she worked there and then came back and inherited the farm from my grandfather and has been doing horses ever since she's done a lot of random things. My mom's like the most interesting person in the world. Uh, she's managed boxers she has managed a band yeah she has run the horse farm uh some really cool stuff she's been a professional dancer what's her name leslie marconi she's not like famous or anything no but just like stuff yeah that's crazy do you think you inherited any of that like randomness yeah i call her all the time and i'm like why did you do this to me i have too many interests i've got too many things that i like uh but the coffee started with her so we're started with the farm it was just a nice break in the morning so we would muck out all the stalls and then we'd sit around and hang out around coffee and like at the time i didn't necessarily think anything of it we just would have coffee and but it became a ritual in the day where at some point we would stop and we'd have coffee with everybody that I worked with. And in high school, I worked with all my buddies. So it was myself and like four of my best friends. So we'd stop and have coffee. And no one really liked coffee necessarily. It was just the fact that we had like a reason to hang out for a half an hour. Uh, And then as my mom and I started to, my mom, dad, and I, but really my mom and I started to travel around more for competitions, for when we started touring colleges and stuff, we would just look for a coffee shop to sit at and talk and hang out because she talks more than I do, yeah. which is a lot. Like, if you know me, that's a lot. <clears throat> um, so we'd hang out at different coffee shops as we travel around. And, and that's how I got into coffee. And then I think might've been Coop showed me really good coffee because he worked at a coffee shop growing up. Yeah. And so him and I lived together for like four years. And so he said, he showed me good coffee. And ever since then I've been into good coffee. So does he send you like, five kilos of good dudes every month then it's like i do get some good dudes yeah Yeah. good dudes is actually uh i really like it i like it yeah i had they did um when they launched first i bought a bag and it was more expensive to ship it than buy it so i think i paid like 40 dollars for a 20 dollar like 40 dollars for a 14 (laughs) dollar bag of coffee or something yeah Um, that's like grubhub you guys have grubhub no dude i order it's like it's uber for food oh yeah food okay. delivery i order yeah, we call it that uber night. eats uber eats yeah, yeah. same thing yeah, yeah we just have grubhub do you know I what ordered... when i was in america we used like grubhub or whatever and yeah. i still i still get fucking emails i can't unsubscribe because every time i go to subscribe it's like enter your password to unsubscribe it's like i used it for like two days three mm-hmm. like no, two years emails for the rest of your life yeah yeah well i ordered food last night 29 dollars was how much the food was 45 dollars to get everything like fees tips ordered yeah so i i'm with you yeah um but yeah yeah after i interviewed him he was like oh because i said oh is there anything being done about international shipping like uh, because they just stopped shipping internationally then um they just stopped doing it all together 
because it was just too taking too long and it was too expensive i think um yeah. and i was like goes around and being done about it. and he's like oh no i don't think so he's like i'll just send you some and i was like i can't do that here because whatever happens with postage in america it is ridiculous how much you guys pay to send something anywhere like in ireland i could send you i could send you a t-shirt for like four dollars it would cost me to send it and i would take like maybe a week maybe like eight days but it would get there um but yeah like four dollars i can send anything uh like reasonably sized to anywhere in ireland for like two dollars or anywhere in the world for like four dollars whereas that's what my buddy was in the military or is in the military uh, and he was stationed in like different parts of the rest of the world. And we grew up together. So I'd send him stuff all the time or he'd be like, Hey, you need to, will you go, go to my house and send me this thing. And I'd be like, everything's FedEx. it's a hundred dollars. They just don't something. have a postal service. Everything's just like, Oh yeah, that's FedEx. You have to FedEx that. And they're like, minimum is like oh, 40 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but that's where the coffee thing started was just, it was a break at the farm. And now it's just something that I actually enjoy a lot. And I'm really into cooking. And so I do enjoy trying different coffees and being like, this tastes like that. This tastes like that. God, you're a pro. You really brought it back to topic there. I was like, we could have trailed <laughs> off for a long time there. That was yeah. well done. Um, what's your preferred method of making coffee then? I... I was a big pour over guy for a really long time. Um, and if I would go to the coffee shop, I'd get an espresso, but I bought this espresso machine and now I am like, I'm all in on the espresso. I also really like Americanos and the local shop that I go to, to my best friends work there. Uh, I would always ask for, we call it a short stack. And so it was like my special, it was, it was just an Americano with much less water. Yeah, so it was yeah. like, it was one part of, it was a double shot of espresso and about that much water. So it was like more than a shot. I recently found out that's called a long black. <laughs> so the not thing, a short thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite way to drink it. Yeah. I started like double stacking recently where if I go somewhere, it's nice. I just get two like immediately. Mm. And then, and they're always like, I can kind of feel judged sometimes where like, the person at the tail is like looking to see like where's the other person that he's buying like these two coffees for and then i'm back in like five minutes later being like oh i'm leaving now i'll take two more like, so it's like oh. i'll have two and then i'll go with two um that's a lot that's a lot i am a big like i will drink if it's espresso i mean since i've been cooped up i've been having like four or five shots a day four or five double shots because there's nothing else to do yeah uh but on a normal day i'll have like a cup or a, a shot in the morning or a double shot in the morning. And then I'll have another one in the afternoon. Well, and during it. the off season, I've been doing a little chocolate with it. Yeah. I stopped drinking coffee for a little bit. Cause I thought it was just like making me pee a lot. And then I realized I was just, I wasn't accounting for the fact that I was slamming so much water, like post-workout, intra-workout pre-workout like i was just taking in so much fluid mm. uh and so after granite games actually i was i wasn't drinking any of that stuff because i was taking some time off i was like oh, i'll have a coffee and i had a coffee and i was like i was just drinking a lot of shit <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the coffee so i'm back on my coffee but yeah i don't drink a ton yeah i'd probably have 
well when i'm in my regular routine like at work and stuff i probably have like three like one in the morning uh one at work and then one like i make i make two in the morning i drink one there and i bring one with me to work because i'm not drinking the yep. shit they have in there and then another one on the way home there's a coffee shop i connect my kids like my daughter from the childminders and we go there's a coffee shop on the way home and we go there um i don't get her one uh, is child uh i started drinking coffee really early so i don't care oh, she's like one and a half oh okay that might be a little <laughs> young is childminders daycare because if so that's yeah, the coolest yeah. name i've ever heard i'm st- i'm using that from now on yeah it's daycare um so we have like uh crashes are like daycare you know where there's like 40 kids or whatever you know like a big yep. you know like those kind of uh, I was going to say centers, but that makes it sound like it's weird. But, you know, like preschool. kind. Yeah. So we've yeah. got like creches where they just mind your kids and like do a bit of art or whatever with them. Maybe they do more. I hope I'm not insulting any like creche workers. And then preschool is like where they go to learn about like, you know, your fucking life's going to change now next year. Like you're going to, yeah. you're going to big school. Like this is this is how you yeah. sit in a chair or whatever. So uh Sloan goes to a childminders because it's one, it's cheaper than crash. And two, we don't have to pay. So most places you have to pay during the holidays if they're not there to, to like keep your place. Okay. So my, I'm a teacher. My wife's a teacher. So we're off a lot uh, compared to other careers. So I was like, well, we're not fucking paying for like the whole summer when she's not going to be there. So the no. childminder we found is just like, she's a woman that used to work in a creche and she just like went off on maternity leave, decided not to go back. And I just kind of dipping her toe in. I might get back into it. I might not. So Sloan is the only kid that's there. Um, so oh, she gets great. like all her attention. Um, I so just love great. the term childminder. I feel like here <clears throat> we're like, how can we make preschool or like daycare sound as kiddy as possible? And you're like, no, they're, they're minding my kid. And that's what we're going to call it. Yeah. The only thing with child minor is it's quite close to child catcher. So that's yeah, it is a... close. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, we sat there I... for a coffee on the way home. Um, and it's nice. Like she's, it, it's actually been one of the, uh, one of my markers for her development is like, when we go there, the changes in, like say the first time I was like, you know, carried her cause she couldn't stand up. Like she was too small. Like, so you just had to carry her. And you yeah. can carry her in one hand and carry two coffees in the other hand because she barely moved. Whereas now it's like, no, don't climb that shelf. You know, like you're like running after her yeah. and you're like, please just stop touching stuff. Um, and she pays herself with like, she takes my, when I take out my wallet, she takes out my contactless card and like taps the machine when your man gives it to her. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, she's uh, yeah, probably a dangerous, uh, maybe I shouldn't have thought of that. Um, before so before she's gonna be we, spending your money for the rest of your life so it's a good excuse though like if yeah. i buy anything stupid i could be like i must have been slown with the cards she just did it she did it um before we started uh recording you mentioned that you love podcasts um i do why like what about them draws you in or keeps you coming back so i i love listening to podcasts like oh always have i had you know stitcher mm. so i stopped using it because it stopped working on my phone for some reason but before i stopped using it it shows you when you like real quick when you log in it shows you how many hours you've logged and i had like thousands 
of hours logged listening to podcasts since high school and all types of podcasts, like CrossFit podcasts. I've probably listened to every episode of Barbell Shrug. Um, uh, the Mind Muscle Project, I've probably listened to all of those. Uh, and then also like the New York Times has The Daily. Yeah. And NPR has another like uh, daily podcast that I listen to. Um, NPR, that's that nonprofit. Yeah. Serial came out of that, didn't it? Serial came love serial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I listen to <clears throat> literally everything. If it's if it's interesting, I'll listen to it. Uh, and then I enjoy being on podcasts because I think it's fun to to but it's interesting. I listen to it is like how you this is your first first experience with this show. <laughs> What was that? It's like if it's interesting, I listen to it. It's like so you've never heard of this. This is your first experience with this show. No, <laughs> I've I've listened to Coop's episode. I listened to Coop's episode. Yeah, no, I knew of you when you reached out. Um, yeah. yeah, I haven't been on a lot of podcasts, but I enjoy just kind of chatting with people. And what, I think what, what draws me in. Yeah, go ahead. No, go on. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I think what draws me in to interview style podcast is which is what I started listening to, right? So Barbell Shrug was a very, have you listened to them? I've heard a few, yeah. I've kind of dipped in and out of a few, yeah. Yeah, so they just kind of stood, literally stood up around microphones and chatted with people. And so that was my first exposure was like interview-based, non-polished podcasts. And I think they're interesting because you just get, and I like this in actual real-life interaction as well, is there's no... There's no concrete format, right? So you just end up learning things that you would never would have otherwise mm. unless it's in like a free form conversation like this. And I, I find your side of the podcast super interesting and in the art of being able to pull things out of people uh, that they otherwise might not have mentioned by yeah. asking like follow-up questions. Sometimes you get gold and then... Other times you realize you've gone down an alleyway that you can't get back out of. You're just like, mm. oh, okay, we're down here now. Um, but yeah, no, sometimes sometimes you get gold. But I think, yeah, I think the thing I really like about it is that, like you say, like you're like, oh, I like that, like the art form of pulling stuff out. Whereas I'm just like, oh, it's just a converse, it's just a chat, like, and stuff right. just happens to come out as far as I'm concerned. Like, you know, it's just like, well, I just asked a question and then we just chatted. Um, but yeah, I think like the the thing I like about it is that it's not um it's not like publicly funded or anything, or it's not like mm. very few of the people that do it are like, you know, employed to do it. So you can kind of say whatever the fuck you want because like you're you're not answering to, you know, some like CEO isn't gonna come down and be like, you can't fucking ask that person, or you can't have that person on, or you can't ask right. them that question, or you can't, you know, we need to stay on brand and we need to you know, I don't know, like, um, you know, like if it was like the Noble podcast, I'd be only be able to have Noble athletes on it or, you know, or it would right. look weird if I didn't or whatever. Whereas like, you know, I think that the, the, the freedom that a podcast gives you is that you can just kind of do whatever you want. And then like, you know, if people don't like it, there's loads of other stuff for them to listen to. And if they do, like they might come back next week. Like, Exactly. And I think it's a really cool way for coming back to our social media talk it's a cool way for athletes to, for athletes fans to get to know them, especially if they're going on different podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you're just going to have a different conversation. This is not always true. I've heard some that just repeat exactly what they always say. 
and to some degree that's the case, right? Your story is your story, but I think it's cool for athletes to go on all these different podcasts and their fans to listen to them on all these different podcasts and you get different pieces of that athlete and you do get to know them. You get to like become a fan of, of who they are because they might like coffee or they might be super into, I don't know, eclectic tables. And you're like, Oh, that's cool. It's something that I would have never known about that person if they weren't on five different podcasts. What's eclectic tables? I don't know, like interesting. T- it was something super random okay. that I thought of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, is this a thing that I don't know about? Okay. No, no, no. I'm sitting at my kitchen table. So it was a thing that popped up in my head. <laughs> Say what you see. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, but it is like, I've had that before. I know like a few other podcasters and there's like, you know, I've sent messages or I've got messages like, oh shit, like we've got the same person like the same week or like a week apart. And it's kind of, like I quickly realized that it literally does not matter because the chances no. of us asking the same questions are so slim. Um, yeah. But like you, you say about like some people kind of repeat the same, like that that's their line or whatever. And there are some podcasts where you will hear the same questions asked because it's like, it is maybe safer or like they're told, you know, maybe they have obligations to certain sponsors mm-hmm. or certain, you know, like aesthetic they have to keep or optics they have to show or whatever. Um, yeah. But by and large, if you have two, if you were on this show and then you went on like fucking Savannah's show, they're going to be like wildly different totally questions. Different. And then if you go on a different one again, it'll, you know, like you, you rarely have crossover. What's funny is I was... I, we finished at 115. I was on a podcast right before this one. Oh, okay. With Christian Harris. Do you know him? Oh, yeah. Um, move fast, live heavy. Move fast, live heavy. So I was on that podcast. And so far, I have told that coffee story to him. And it's a, it was totally different. Like, I, there was a lot of stuff I told you that I didn't even think to tell him. Yeah. He didn't reply to my DM when I invited him on this. <laughs> I'll give him a nudge. I'll give him a nudge. He gets a lot of DMs. I bet. Um, no, well, I actually, I messaged him after um, his team got pulled. Um, oh, yeah. I'll so give him a nudge. He, he'll well, I had, he was coming on. He was, he was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll do one before then. I didn't just message him. <laughs> that made it sound like <laughs> I messaged him. Like, hey. like oh, uh, they're not like competing. It's like, hey, do you want to do a podcast? Like, yeah. That'd be like the worst timing. Um, no, but I, I messaged him just being like, sorry to to hear things aren't working out or whatever and um, oh, yeah, yeah i imagine he got like ten thousand dms that week oh man that, um, that was a tough situation oh my god i bet um yeah so you when i was researching you you started crossfit during high school when you were playing football is that right yeah how'd you know that where's um, that posted no i read an article with like oh it was on page three of google i know that um it was like oh, some deep. some nutrition mike malloy that's my nutritionist yeah or like some something training rpm m2 performance m2 performance nutrition or rpm yeah it was I've one of those i read RPM like three articles on the, on each of those and one of them was uh it said but it made it sound like you suggested it is that right no that yeah. you suggested to the coach Yes. Yeah. I was technically our high school football strength and conditioning coach, me. And I was okay. on the team. Okay. Yeah. And how uh, did you, how did you, 
Like, why did they defer to you as the expert? So, uh, so I had quit like all sports when I was, I don't know, eight or 10. My mom was my coach for everything for soccer and uh, for baseball and basketball. I didn't even end up playing because I didn't want to go to the first practice. And my mom goes, you can't play if you don't go to the first practice. And I thought I was calling her bluff and she was not bluffing. So I didn't play. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I quit all sports and I was racing BMX, like bicycles. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, I don't know, I was like 5'3 or 5'4 in, in middle school and like 165. So I was a little bowling ball of a human. <laughs> and I had my mom and dad uh, kind of started me on my fitness track i asked i was like hey i don't want to be chubby like can i work out and so my my mom started walking with me in the morning and my dad started doing like a ton of body weight exercises with me and my dad is like man's man not in a negative way just as like always has been into feats of strength he's 74 now too so like his generation just was far more active and aware of like strength well, he was quite old when he had you, was he? Yeah, he was like 50. Yeah, my dad was the same. My dad was... I don't remember my dad being anything, but like... Old. I feel like I always said he's 50. You know, like that that yes. was his age. Um, Yeah, and he'd be, he be a man's man in a bit of a negative way. <laughs> but he was, always yeah. a, he was always a man's man of like, you know, don't you fucking dare talk about feelings around these parts. You know, like that kind of way. Oh, yeah, my dad... My dad wasn't like super talkative about feelings, but was never uh, discouraging of it. Yeah. But so, so is that, he, did you do that together then? Like, was that your like little body yeah, thing? So my, that, yeah. My dad and I worked out together every day, just body weight stuff. Yeah. And we had a gym in the basement. And so one day he, he like handed me this yellow, crusty piece of laminated paper uh, <laughs> that had this like long kind of list of exercises. And it was like three by eight to 15. Uh, and so he was like, do this twice, three days a week, Monday and Friday, do it the higher rep range. And on Wednesdays do the lower rep range and go heavier. And my dad, like never, wasn't like, he wasn't a strength guy. He, this was just information that he had compiled over his years of living and like was right. And yeah. so I started doing that and going, I, did a, I got really interested in it. So I got super, super into training and lifting and the internet was a little bit smaller back then. Not that this is this long ago, but it was, it was a little smaller. So I had access to like the Q and a forums on elite FTS, which is an equipment manufacturer. They were like rogue before rogue. Hmm. Um, and so I got to talk like actually kind of message back and forth with all these really elite power lifters and strength coaches. So I was just able to get a lot of really cool information and I got relatively strong, relatively young. So I was 14, did a deadlift only powerlifting meet and was like 155 pounds and deadlifted 400. Jesus. Yeah. At my de- it hasn't climbed all that much. <laughs> my lifetime pb <laughs> relatively yeah i'm pulling a little over 500 now but i uh going into high school i did that powerlifting meet right before i started high school and so I was just really into training and we had a little weight room in my basement and so all my buddies ended up coming over and training and then when i was a sophomore 
one of my friends was like, Hey, you're far too angry and far too strong. Like I wasn't absurdly strong, but they were like, you're just too angry and too into working out not to play football. So go play football. And so I started playing football and went in and was the strongest guy on the team. And only because I had like been training, there was guys who were way stronger than me once they started working out, yeah. but I had just been training. And so they started all coming over to the house and eventually the okay. house was too small. And so I reached out to this CrossFit gym and asked if we could use their space. And they asked me who would coach. And I said, it was me. And they were like, no, you were like holding your yellow laminated sheath. being like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. Uh, at Got everything I need right here. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, they did a class. This gym is called Land Warrior CrossFit. They did a class for us two days a week for the rest of my time in high school. And once I finished that, I kind of rolled right into training with a group of people there who were training competitively. And so I did the open in 2015. And then ever since then have been trying to make it to the games. Yeah. You're like, I was looking at your numbers. Like you're a very strong open athlete. Like you yes. perform like incredibly impressively. Um, you've had like, I think like three finishes in five inside the top 50 in the States. And then a couple inside, like just in or around top 10, like 14, like somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, and then you're at regionals in 2018 and I think you finished 20th. Is that right? Yep. And then you're obviously at Granite Caves this year. We'll talk about that later on, but like there seems to be, I guess, a steady incline to your performances. If you've started in 2015 and 2018 you were at regionals and then you're at semifinals uh this year um but like is do you think that the discrepancy between say like the the big performances in the open or like the eye-catching performances in the open and then like say live competition is that down to like the change in scenery and stuff or is it down to like the change in like that the workouts are like the programming is a bit different uh, it's twofold. It's a little bit of both of that. The open tends to be a little lighter, right? Even yeah. though I've had some like good performances on heavier workouts, uh, the open tends to be a little bit lighter. Qualifiers tend to be a little bit lighter. Um, but really, yeah, it is the fact that, so I'm not a huge in my life, like detail oriented planning guy, but I can, plan really well for qualifier workouts so like to the second i can be like i'm gonna get 10 rounds on this 20 minute workout and i'm gonna do a minute and a half rounds and i can like if i have a clock in front of me i can hold that and like do that the whole time uh and you just have far less control when you go to compete on the floor um but also in the gym like training against people I can often, and this, I don't say this braggadociously, like I can often beat people who are better than me because I like take a smarter chalk break or I break something up a little bit better than somebody else, or I take a chance where maybe they don't take a chance. And I can look at them and be like, I know exactly how they're feeling. And I can like compete with them in that sense. Is that because you know and them? I, do you think? Like you not know always. You? Okay. No, not always. Uh, like just in person in the gym with people. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's just because like we're in the gym and that's a really comfortable environment for okay, both yeah. of us. Uh, and I can, 
I can literally more clearly see them. Like they're you, right I guess there. you've got the attention span to spare because you're so familiar with your surroundings that it's like you don't exactly. need to worry about where stuff is or whatever. Yeah, there's less there's less inputs. Yeah. Right. Like I I, I know the space. Um and I haven't quite been able to put that together on the competition floor. I think that that is most true at this most recent competition at Granite Games. That is not as true at like that regionals. That was my first time competing at regionals. Yeah. And so part of that was just my fitness. Like I redid Linda from that, that regionals. Um, and I don't feel like I have gotten that, that much stronger since 2018. Cause there's been like a lot of kind of up and down in between then. Yeah. And I went like four minutes faster. And so that like events like that strength events have traditionally been my worst at live competitions. And those have gotten a lot better. Um, so yeah, this past Granite Games is where that rings most true. It's just being able to translate for me my ability to compete because I have the ability to compete to my ability to compete on the competition floor when there's like 12 other people there and there's uh, people who are beating me and me being like, not that I freak out necessarily. Like, I don't think that. I don't think that I freak out. But uh, when people are beating me, I tend to make dumber decisions. Oh yeah, uh-huh. so you, you'll take an unnecessary risk or whatever to try and catch, or else you'll maybe hold yeah. back too much, thinking, "Well, this is gone. The next one is the big one now." Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, and that is true. Or I've found that to be the case, especially at Granite Games. I started that in the first heat. So, and I've started. I started regionals in the first heat because I'm good at qualifiers. Like I'll qualify myself into the first heat and then not do that well and my best finishes at most competitions happen out of like the third heat yeah okay or or the first heat rather the yeah. first heat the third heat's the best but out of the first heat like i had a, a second at granite games out of the first heat um because i just i guess i feel more confident when i am in front like the the one controlling the tempo not in front second like if okay. i could be second and kind of be edging with somebody else but the answer to your question is is yeah i think that my progress has been pretty linear and like to some degree i just need more time to become stronger uh but also more exposure to actually going to a competition and competing rather than just participating because they're different yeah Yeah. do you think you mentioned there that you're this is, yeah, I kind of intended on asking this and then I feel like I kind of like accidentally insulted you there by asking. No, 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 not at all. Uh, it'd be very hard to insult me, <laughs> one. And two, no, you didn't insult me. Um, I suppose you mentioned there that your your progress has been linear and like, the, you know, you can see the the that kind of steady improvement. Is that like, is that like slowly closing up weaknesses? Is it like, transferring confidence or you know or gaining confidence or is it like you know uh just kind of broader improvements because of time spent in the sport do you think uh both i think part of it is yeah improving just my strength it's specifically my strength in like pressing and uh the olympic lifts improving those it just takes time and I've like consistently gotten better at that, but I will say I have been, I've had a good, or I had a good season this year, 
this is not the fittest I've ever been by any means. Um, so I think a lot of it is just, it has, and I've always been a relatively slower learner. Like it just takes me a little bit of time to, to assimilate things. Uh, and yeah, so I think a lot of that progress has come from just time in the sport and having a lot of realizations. Cause I think it's easy to, it's easy for somebody to go, Hey, you got to learn from your experiences at a competition. And you go, Oh yeah, I do learn from my experiences. Like I look back at this event and this is what I could have done differently. When in reality, that learning is, is really different when you actually learn a piece of information and then you implement it and you go, Oh shit. That's what, that's what that meant. Yeah. Uh, like mental, like mindset is one for me uh, where I think finish like at regionals, I don't think I learned anything as far as mindset goes when I did regionals. Cause I went in there and I was like, I'm just happy to be here. Like all I want to do is be here. And I took 20th and that's kind of where I expected to finish. And I left with a little bit of disappointment in the sense that it wasn't maybe as like big of a deal as I thought that it was going to be. Cause I built it up for so long. But I left and was like, yeah, that's where I expected to finish. Like I could have done a couple things differently on a couple events, but there was no real like, oh, this is how I respond best to X or whatever. Uh, whereas like at Granite Games, I went into Granite Games with a new mindset. I was like, all right, I'm going to try a new mindset. I'm going to try to go in here and think differently than I've ever thought in the past. And it went really poorly. <laughs> And which in hindsight, I was like, all right, good. It went poorly. That doesn't work. Now I literally, now I know that it doesn't work. I actually learned versus at other events being like, oh, I'm going to go into this workout with a different mindset. And then like the workout doesn't go really well. I'm like, oh, whatever. I didn't really learn anything uh, that stuck with me. So I what, what was the different mindset with Granite Games? Like, is there specifics? Uh, specific things you were thinking or whatever like was it strategizing about the actual workout or was it like uh literally like confidence based like you know like self-talk based it was self-talk based okay yeah. so i hadn't competed since 2019 i mean i had done like the qualifiers and stuff but i hadn't competed at a live competition since 2019 so part of it was i just kind of forgot who i was as a competitor and i don't mean that in like a any deeper level than I literally hadn't competed in a really long time and yeah. forgot what I do when I compete. Um, that was one. And so like, I wasn't super confident in any one strategy because I like didn't have one. And then two, I, this was like maybe three or four weeks before Granite Games. I had a conversation with uh, Fraser and he was like, Hey, if you can train scared, and I'm sure you and everybody else have heard him talk about like training scared and, yeah, and his, having this mindset. His, his psychotic rants about being terrified forever. And I was like, right. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try it, which is not my typical MO. Like I have never been one of the athletes where when I'm doing a workout, I'm like, somebody else is working harder than me. Yeah. Because like probably yes, somebody else might be, but probably no, somebody else probably is not right. Yeah. I just, 
that whole like someone else is working harder than you thing is like, yeah, sure. They might be, but they might not be working as smart or whatever. I just, I think it's like a, I think it's a fun thing to say and it helps some people. Absolutely. Uh, and so I started to take on that mindset and then going into day one of Granite Games, I was just like, all right, you got to be scared for this event. You've got to be really nervous for this event. And I literally made myself nervous, like tried to make myself nervous. And I get nervous for events. Yeah. So I was stacking on top, like trying to be even more nervous. And then when I got to the, the athlete corral, I was like, all right, get yourself fired up now. So I went from trying to be like really scared and nervous to trying to get myself fired up. And I ended up walking onto the floor. And there were some other factors too. Like I hadn't eaten that day in a really long time. And so I was a little flat at baseline. None of these are excuses. It's just what happened. Yeah. And so I walked out there and just had not like, was, was kind of, una- yeah, I was exhausted. I was tired. I was unaware of my surroundings. Like I didn't have any go. I ended up like tripping all over the place with the dumbbells and those are heavy dumbbells for me to begin with. So I am literally stumbling with the dumbbells and just the event went about as badly as it could could have gone yeah uh and i i also had a a weak snatch in the first event which like we all knew that that was going to be my worst event yeah uh like it just i I could have pr'd my snatch by 10 pounds and it would have been 20th and that was what it was like i had no negative emotions around that yeah because that just that is right so I finished day one in 27th place, like almost last uh, and was like, okay, that strategy doesn't work for me. (laughs) Go back to the other one. Uh, It also made me realize what the other one was, which I've had a lot of success with, which is like, I keep it pretty light. Like I joke around in the warm up area. Uh, I'll talk to people. I have fun. I'll talk to people in the corral, right? Like one of my, my favorite people to compete against that I've ever competed against is Paul Tremblay. Yeah. And he's the nicest, like funniest guy in the corral. Like you're sitting there for 20 minutes, everybody's nervous. And the way that he stays not freaking out is he chats and jokes. And so I'm, I've always been that way. And so I went back to doing that. And when I walk out onto the field or the start mat, then I get super focused and zone in and like get a little whatever angry or amped up uh but not until then and so i went back to that and it it worked pretty well for the rest of the weekend yeah (laughs) i'd love to have seen uh both corrals i'd love to have seen you like looking terrified and like nervous in like one event and then the next day being like you know oh yeah and how was your summer (laughs) whatever yeah well that that was exactly it it helps that like none of my competitors really noticed because I went from the best heat to the worst heat. Oh yeah. <laughs> so like, no one was like, this guy's different. Yeah. <laughs> it was a new crew. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just here. That was did, a tough, that was a tough day one. Did you enjoy Granite games overall? Like, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it uh, for a few reasons. Like I thought that I wasn't going to compete again in 2020. I was just like over it, burnt out. Um, and found my way back to competing. And so I was just excited to be 
at a live competition again. Yeah. Um, and didn't go into that competition with a lot of confidence in the sense that like, I had no idea where my fitness was. I was training with people who were incredible training partners and like really good friends. And we had a really good training environment in the sense that it was fun. It was motivating. Like we held each other accountable, but I wasn't training against anybody who was like at my level. So I had no idea where I was fitness wise. Um, so went into Granite Games really with the expectation to try to take top five. Like I trained that way. I spoke that way. I told people that like my goal was to take top five. Um, Cause one of my training partners was like, Hey, through our conversations, you've never really let yourself like want to take top five. So why don't you go ahead and, and do that? Like let yourself really want it. And so I did. Uh, but at the same time, like there was this juxtaposition of that's what I, that's what my goal was. But I also didn't know how fit I was relative to the rest of the field. Yeah. Uh, and so I went in and just like had that expectation. And after day one, I woke up, I didn't really sleep that night. The next morning I was like, you're too nervous. <laughs> no, I wasn't nervous. I was devastated. I was like, oh, man, after I, day one, sorry. I thought you were talking about after before, day one, before I'm, you I'm started, in, you were like making yourself. Nervous. Oh no, <laughs> no. After day one, I was like, dude, you're in 27th place. Like what? got to find a new reason to be here. Um, and so I, I decided my new reason to be there was to go out there and like show people what I could do and then learn as much as I could through the weekend. And so at the close of the weekend, that's exactly what happened. Like I made a lot of mistakes, um, both on and off the field and leaving, I didn't feel like I was unfit. Like I was like, Oh cool. No, you are really fit. Like your fitness level was probably good enough to to take top five you just kind of fucked it yeah. and that's fine like that's fixable um it's, e- it's and, probably easier to fix than a strength deficiency or a fitness de- you know like because it's yeah it, once you realize that that's what the problem is it's easier to fix it because it was literally inside your own head that the issue was yes, like exactly if <laughs> if you can get yourself to not do it again. Yeah. Um, but also, dude, I left the weekend and it was like, this was really cool because Fraser was there helping me the whole time. Like him and Sammy were, Sammy was texting me like, make sure you eat. This is what you need to eat. Like, do you have food? She brought me fruit snacks and Gatorade and uh, what else did she bring? Snickers. And Matt was like, here's my bucket hat, fill it with ice. They, they were super supportive the whole weekend. And I was in 27th after day one, like, and he was still like, Hey, I know it's not the finish you wanted. Like just really, really supportive the whole time. Uh, and he's been a friend for a long time, but to have him there like coaching essentially. Yeah. I was going to say like, cause it was really cool. Like I, I, like I said, I kind of, uh, I've been following you since Vegas, I suppose. Um, and like, you know, I feel like a lot of people would have searched your name after that weekend or during that weekend because, you know, you were seeing like pre-event, you leaning on a fence and Fraser talking to you, like pointing at different people on the field and different yeah. areas on the field and stuff. And, 
you know, their commentators were referring to him as your coach a few times. And I think a lot of people were like, you know, it, I guess a throwaway comment from the commentators had other people being like, wait, he's fucking coaching someone? <laughs> you know, like everyone was yeah. like, I thought he was like out, out, you know. Um, yeah. How did you, how do you know each other? You said that you knew him a while. How did you, was it like through regionals and stuff? Like, are you, cause you're both from like the East coast. Uh, yeah, we are, but it was actually through Sammy. So Sammy okay. coached at full range. It's now full range fitness at the time it was full range CrossFit, but she coached there. Uh, her and I, I was kind of, I got there at the tail end of her being there and I had taken over her classes when she left, but we just kind of became friends. Um, and so she introduced Matt and I and Matt and I just, be, they would come down to visit Sammy's family because they're still here. And mm-hmm. so we just kind of became buddies. We hit it off. We have a lot in common. Uh, and so we just hit it off. And then he tells a story in, or we tell the story in the YouTube video they did on Granite Games. Uh, we were buddies. We trained together a decent bit. Like there were a few, <laughs> this is funny in hindsight, there were a few times in training where I like kept up with him rep for rep and like almost beat him on something. And was like, yeah, nice. In hindsight, that was like, it would be the first workout that he did since the games. And I'd be like, I'm keeping up with him. I am me. I am at the, I'm meanwhile dying. Like I am at my absolute limit of capacity and he's also dying, but he hasn't worked out in two months. Um, and I'm there, this annoying kid, like really pushing him. And he's like, I'm sure in his head, he was like, dude, stop. Like, <laughs> you're not fitter. <laughs> you're, I just haven't trained. He just, he months. just reaches over and turns off your assault bike. And he's like, just stop. Just stop. Yeah. Just, <laughs> will you just stop? Uh, but we trained together a few times. I had spent a week up in Vermont and a week down in Cookville and, I remember going down to Cookville and that was right after I qualified for regionals in 2018 for the first time. And I had taken 19th in the world and we we're about to do a workout and I go, Hey, how are you going to break this up? And Matt looks over at me and he goes, uh, you took 19th in the world. You don't get any fucking advice anymore. And it was, it was at as much as I was like, Oh man, I was like, that's kind of cool. Like he's not going to give me advice because I did well, like awesome. Uh, and then that same year, 2018, we both were doing Dubai and he was back in Vermont at the time. And so I messaged him. I was like, Hey, do you want to get some training in for Dubai? And he messaged back and he was like, Hey, uh, I'm really sorry about this, but I don't train with competitors and now we're competitors. And I was like, again, I was like, that's kind of cool. All right. I get it. Uh, and so for a couple of years, like we, we stayed in touch, uh, but we weren't like super buddy, buddy because he was training. I was trying to compete. Um, and he doesn't train with competitors. Uh, but since he retired, we just, we started talking again and we talk all the time. Uh, and so I started testing the HWPO programming for him and I would just pick his brain. I'd like, we'd have calls where we were going over things that needed to change in the program or things that were great or whatever, just me providing feedback. Uh, but I'd be like, Hey, so what do you think I should do for whatever? And he was, he's super open and generous with his knowledge. And then 
he had hit me up and was like, Hey, I'm coming out to Granite Games. Uh, because we're just going to do some events and stuff. Can I be of any help? And I was like, yeah, yeah. You and do the first was, two events for me, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you just snatch for me? Because that would be great. Just grow your hair out, and then <laughs> we'll worry about the rest Actually, later on. There's some old photos of him where and I, so I used to wear my hair down and like out. Uh, and when he was weightlifting, there's some weightlifting photos of him with the same exact hair. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, so that's, we've just been friends for a long time and he was generous enough to help me out. And now I, uh, I went out to the games to help like co-coach all of his live sessions that he was yeah. doing. So I Matt saw would, that. And it's like, you know, those, uh, it was in Big Dane, wasn't it? The, the, the mm-hmm. Goat or yeah, Goat kind of took over Big Dane, I guess. And he ran his through that. Um, like, is that like a return to like say classic coaching for you or does it hit different because it's at the games and in Madison and it's his like baby that you're kind of holding, I guess, like, is it, is it an unusual scenario to find yourself in? That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It's a little surreal. I haven't really expressed this to him and Sammy. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I was a fan of Matt way before I met Matt and now he's very much a friend. And like, I am very respectful and in awe of like what he's done Mm. and think it's awesome. Uh, So there were moments where I stepped back and was like, this is like super cool. Uh, But there were also moments where I'm like, Oh, I'm just hanging out with a buddy and like working for, working for them as far as like the actual coaching went uh i still coach every week Hmm. and so it just felt like coaching in a different spot yeah um and felt yeah it felt very much like i was coaching a class yeah uh it was it was interesting because we literally co-coached so on thursday was the first day we did any coaching and we did three sessions. We did an hour session and then two 90 minute sessions. And so Matt and I would kind of pass the baton, right? So there'd be a big intro. O'Keefe did the intro. He introed Matt, obviously he introed who I was and why I was there. Uh, and then Matt would do like the whiteboard talk. And then I would kind of just logistics the rest of the class. Right. So I would make sure everybody was in their space. I would, I was a three, two, one guy. Let's start the clock, stop the clock. Um, and I, did some actual coaching as well, but it was interesting to be the coach and uh, Sammy joked, she was like, you're the grandmaster of ceremonies, right? You like <laughs> make sure everything is on time. Uh, and it's kind of cool to be the coach that people are not there for me, right? Yeah. Like they, there's no pressure on me. I didn't feel any pressure other than to make sure everything runs on time and like obviously be, like my best coach self, yeah. but people are there for Matt. So Matt was the one like going over the workout, explaining the intention of the workout. And then, and I think this was really cool and he really, really cares about this being the case. He made sure he got to every single person. We had 40, 45 people classes. He made sure he got to every single person and gave them some type of cue or tip and talk to them. Mm. 
which is really cool. And it was part of the reason they brought me on. So in Vegas, they did like this 40 minute Imam and being 200 people. And Matt was like, man, that was fun, but I didn't actually get to, to yeah. like coach people. And he really actually wants to, if we're going to do this, coach people. And so it's cool to see how much he actually wants to be hands-on. Yeah. Cause it'd be easy to just not give a shit. Cause like people will turn up anyway, like right. people will turn up because it's him. He could write like, like a thousand burpees on the board and people will turn up because it's like, Oh, it's it's I love him. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, the, the actually wanting it to be a quality product or a quality experience, I suppose is, yeah, that's the separator, I guess. And I think that's, what's really cool about the position that he's in is he's got this effect that, yeah, he could do, he'd be like, Hey, we're just going to all stand in the same room. Yeah. People would show up, <laughs> but he actually really does care. So people show up and their only expectation is, Oh, I get to hang out with Matt. And then they show up and Matt's actually there coaching and providing like really valuable insight and intention and is like super personable and is leading this class and they only showed up because it's matt and then when matt crushes it like that and shows that he actually cares people go oh wow he's a like he's actually awesome more awesome than i thought yeah it's Uh, funny because it's one it's one of the things that came out of the the I don't want to go on about him a lot because I feel like it's kind of like we're getting sidetracked from you and it's you yeah, I want to talk okay. to. But um, one of the things that came out of the like the Rogan podcast was like, oh, he doesn't give a shit about the community. Like he clearly just doesn't give a shit. And then when you hear stories like that, it's like, like you can't but notice that he does. And I think it, I oh, was yeah. talking to someone else about this the other day, how CrossFit is probably a unique sport in that sense that like you can't get to the top of the sport without at some point being part of some kind of community somewhere involved in CrossFit. Like you can't, you can't just land yourself in at the top spot without ever being in a CrossFit gym or without ever being part of a training crew or whatever. And I know like predominantly he trained on his own, but then he also had like the, you know, what would you call it? Like the pre-proven, days with Tia and Shane and he also had like when he was in you know comp train and he also had when he was you know when he first got started like he was in a CrossFit gym doing weightlifting and got brought in and stuff so I think like like that feeling like I I don't know anyone that wouldn't enjoy feeling part of a community and I think that that feeling doesn't go away like you you remember what that's like and then I think obviously that's what he's aiming to do now is build his own community within the larger community CrossFit. yeah yeah and I think people get that get that way because traditionally in CrossFit no one is saying hey here are a couple problems with it yeah and he addressed a couple things in that podcast that like he thought maybe needed a change which is totally fair I think um, people didn't like a lot of people didn't like the fact that he that he locked himself in his basement and that's how he became successful was he just put his head down and he did it solo and he didn't do it like Rich did it he didn't do like this big gym full of people and him in the middle of it he just separated yeah, like himself everybody's out. on it yeah yeah and but that's him right yeah. like that's just how he well I mean it fucking is. works like yeah exactly it really worked. <laughs> So like 
yeah when he's uh when he's coaching you then at the games because like it's funny that you mentioned about that uh train scared because like that's something that he said that in interviews and stuff where i've been like man it must be fucking exhausting like no wonder he retired <laughs> because it's like it just yeah. must be like so draining being constantly terrified like having your fighter flight on all the time must be just like exhausting oh um, yeah i couldn't imagine but like when he's talking to you then at the say at the side of granite games when you're you know like pre pre-workout or post-workout or whatever or, yeah. you know there's the one of the heats is on and you're up next or whatever like is part of you thinking like when he gives you a, an idea or a tip or something is part of you thinking like, yeah, I mean, that's fine for you. Like, you know, uh, there have definitely been instances of that, but I think for as much as we are different, we're pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, I just happen to be a little bit like lighter when I compete. Um, but no, like often the advice that he gives is more tactical than it is mindset. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I do remember one time, this is going way back in 2016, he, he was down visiting Sammy and he just happened to come to the gym when we were doing an open workout for Friday Night Lights. And I went up to him because I knew he had, I was that guy. I was like, hey, I know you did this earlier. Uh, what should I do? And he was like, oh, you should hold 90 second rounds. I was like, oh, I don't think you understand that you and I are different because I was planning on pulling two 10 rounds. Um, <laughs> but no, most of the time I take his advice and I try it. And maybe afterwards I go, oh, that didn't work or that did work. But no, I try to hear it and not go, I think we're different. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. You mentioned earlier that... um you weren't going to, or you thought you weren't going to compete this year. And I, I didn't pull you up on it because I had planned on asking you about it separately. But um, I saw in a one of my regular deep dives of guests' Instagrams, um, in like, it was kind of like mid to late, like first lockdown of COVID, I suppose, where you kind of said that you had felt burnt out in training and, you know, that leading up to COVID, uh, you just weren't, enjoying it i guess and that it was you just kind of were a bit worn out or strung out from it i suppose and then you kind of started to feel ready again and then covid hit and you know like it was just like more setbacks did that like did that dissipate like as society started to reopen and events are getting announced and stuff that you kind of found that joy of it again or are you still like maybe searching for that a little bit like the the because you said i think in the post you said that you're finding it fun again and that's, you know, like that, that was part of why you hadn't been posting a lot of stuff was because you were actually enjoying it again. Yeah, you're good. That's good. I don't even remember now that you say it. I remember that. I don't remember posting that originally, but no. So COVID is actually a big part of the reason that I, that I got back to it. Uh, I was, so I, I still work at the gym here, but I was working kind of my full-time job was working at the gym here. So I was doing just a lot of like side projects, backend stuff, whatever. And I was just burnt out being at the gym all the time, training all the time. I had a good training crew for a couple of years that slowly kind of dissipated just because that's what happens with life. And they weren't full-time athletes. Uh, and they're still really, really good friends of mine. Um, but I was doing it kind of solo 
for the most part uh, and was also really burnt out at the gym. So COVID hit and it pushed us all home. And I was like, cool. I, this, like, I know it was a hard year for a lot of people and it sucked. Uh, but for me, COVID made me get out of the gym and just took it like it wasn't even an option. And which is exactly what I wanted. Like I wanted to step back entirely. In hindsight, I didn't really know that was what I wanted, but mm. as it happened, I was like, oh, this is this is what I've been searching for. And so the first month, the first maybe three weeks, I lived at the time with a bunch of roommates. We didn't do anything, like nothing. And all of us are active. And then for a month, we did 500 kettlebell swings a day, which sounds at face value like a lot. It's not a lot. It's also especially not a lot when you like total up the volume of normal training and how many reps you'll do in a day. And it's like thousands of reps. And then you're like, oh, we're only doing 500. And it ended up being like 18 minutes of work. Unbroken like? Or like in no, one... no, no. With rest. With rest. But like go... as in, okay, now we're going to start doing 500 swings. And then it was like, okay, now we're finished. You, you don't mean like... We did some before breakfast and then we did some. No, no, no. Like it in a chunk. Yeah. So <laughs> why, I think we. Why would you pick if you're falling, if you're like a little bit falling out of love with training, why would you pick something so monotonous to get back in? <laughs> because it was easy. Like it, it was so easy. And because it was monotonous, we would just have a conversation while we did yeah. it. And I, what did we do? I think we maybe went 15, 25. I don't know. We did like five sets of. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 or something. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. remember the exact breakup, but, and we would just trade back and forth. So like I do 10, you do 10. I do 20, you do 20. And we would just go like that until it was done. And we would just kind of chat while we did it in the garage. And it was, it was active and it was about as hard as like going for a 20 minute jog. Hmm. Um, and then towards the end of that, we started to maybe enjoy training a little bit more. We got more equipment into the garage and we, we, me and my roommate, Chris, were doing this. Uh, we started training a little bit and then we got back to the gym and I was like, I still love training. I'm just going to get really strong and I have no expectations of competing or anything. And then I started to want to compete a little bit and then just found a lot of joy in training and then did what I do, I did like an online training think tank competition because I've been doing some CrossFit and I was like, all right, well, let's see where I'm at. Yeah. And that went well. And by December of last year, I had gotten the fire to compete again back. And I was like, all right, cool. Let me train for the open, do the open. I did the open. And through this season, I have built that fire back to, I'm more excited about competing now than I ever have been. And I like, have you put like systems in place to avoid the same thing happening again? Like, have you changed your working day and stuff? Yeah. So, I'll, yes. I mean, I have, uh, I'm doing some new stuff. I am like exploring some new job opportunities. Uh, but the biggest thing that was honestly, a real that was a real like I want to talk about that, but I probably shouldn't talk about that. So I'll just move on to something else. Yes, I can't yet. <laughs> I can't yet. Um, 
but the biggest thing for me and a, a big part of the reason that like I got pulled out of my burnout and I look, I, this is for everybody listening. Like burnout's not unique. It happens to everybody. This just happens to be like my experience with it. Uh, and it wasn't even all that drastic. It was just the first time I really experienced burnout. Mm-hmm. So I had no, like I had no coping mechanisms yeah. for it. And I was listening to a training think tank podcast and on it, Max El Hodge was talking about how he has gotten burnt out multiple times in a sport career and he kept getting burnt out and he kept trying to get back into whatever it was that he had gotten burnt out doing. And every time he'd be like, well, I got to get back to where I was before I got burnt out. And so every time I would get a little bit of spark, I probably started to get burnt out after I made regionals. So 2018. And every time I'd get a little spark to train again, I would go, I got to make it back to where I was in 2018 preparing for the open. I was so dialed, like everything was dialed in, everything was perfect. So I thought, and I was like, I got to get back there. I got to get back there. I got to get back there. And in this podcast, he goes, then I realized I don't need to get back to wherever I was because whatever I was doing then was what burnt me out. Mm. Um, and as soon as he said that, it clicked for me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to just try to do this whole thing differently. And so that's where I'm at now. And so I didn't really change necessarily like everything. There are a lot of things from 2018 that I was doing that I I do now and that are just things that work. Uh, But what I changed was my, my mindset on everything and that I just, I'm doing it super different. I'm training with a little bit lower volume than most people train with, uh, I'm a little bit more relaxed on, and this is not unique to me, but it's new for me. I'm relaxed on my program. Like I'll change it kind of day to day. Uh, I'm trying to get around and I'm going to have to travel to do this, but I'm trying to get around a lot more people uh, to train with. And that was something that I actually took from 2017, 18. So 2017, 2018, I was training all the time with just different random people. Like I'd go up to Boston, I'd train with people. I'd go to New York, I'd train with people. Uh, we did training camps at the gym that I was at. We would have people come down and we'd do like mock competitions. And that was probably the most comfortable I ever felt with competing. And then 2019 and 2020-ish and somewhat of this year, I, I was like, no, I don't want to train with competitors. Like I don't want to knock my confidence Cause if they beat me, I'm going to be like, Oh man, they beat me in this workout, like whatever. And I just now tr- like looking at training for next year, I have just realized that now I do much better when I train with people and like, I don't have to train with somebody every single day, mm. but training with people boosts my confidence more than it does knock it. Uh, and so those are a couple of the things that I trained or that I changed is just, I'm a little bit more relaxed. Like I'm not as, as big a ball of stress. I'm having a little bit more fun with it. Um, and just not quite taking it as seriously. It's funny though. Like you're definitely not the first person that's had that kind of awakening of like, Oh shit. If I don't put as much pressure on myself, it actually is an enjoyable thing to do. Like, you know, someone else like can Porter, like, came out this year and was like fuck it like i'm just gonna enjoy it because like how long am i going to be doing this for and i'm just gonna like right you know 
put it into fifth and see what happens and just like have at it. And he had like off the face of it, one of the most enjoyable years in his career he's ever had. And like, you know, things weren't easy for him at home and stuff, but like he got to Vegas. He was on the demo crew. He's like touring around Europe now. Like he's on his way to Europe and he's going to tour around all there and he's having just the ball. And it's like, it is a thing of like, make hay while the sun is shining because you don't know how long it's going to shine for and it's like do you know there are there is room for the Matt Frasers like there is a place for that type of person who's like I need to fucking win and if I don't win what's the fucking point but like there's also room for people who are like I really fucking love doing this and it's great and then and I think they're the people like okay like Fraser's like you know Tia they're like they're crazy inspiring because but it's like to me that's totally fucking unattainable. Like, there's no way, no matter what I do, I will never get to that place. Whereas, like, if I see someone that's enjoying their training and enjoying the competition floor and stuff, I can enjoy my training and I can enjoy going on, you know, a relative competition floor and I can enjoy that. I might not, like, ever be in a position to dominate anything or to, you know, crush competition around me or whatever, but I can get myself to look up to someone who's like, this is really fun. And like, look how relaxed I am. And you know, you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to be in that headspace, I guess. That's you just, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly where I'm at. Like for years, I probably since I met Matt, I was like, all right, I gotta be more in that mindset. And at some point, I think this is part of being growing up at some point you go, now hold the phone like I'm fucking me and that's who I'm going to be. And I happen to like having all that fun. I, and if you ask like a lot of my training partners, I am serious about my training without question. Mm. Uh, and I'm like, some would be like, oh, he's a little anal about like the sets and reps and whatever for sure. But dude, I like to dance while I train. Like I like to have a lot of fun. And that's exactly where I'm at is I'm like, Look, I'm probably not, and some people are going to be like, well, that's not a winner's mindset. I'm probably not winning five games, right? Like, yeah. that's not why I'm here. Yeah. And it, and that's what I've realized is I've been like, this year I've gone, oh, that's, I'm not here to become the best CrossFit athlete on the planet. I'm not. I want to be really good and I want to make it to the games and I want to crush it. And of course I'm like, competing at competitions to try to podium and win. But I, and I think I've always thought this, I've watched interviews of people at the games and they'd be like, and I'm not calling anybody out, but people would be like, why are you here? The interviewers. And they'd be like, well, if you're not here to win, why else would you be here? I'm like, you're taking 20th. And we all know that. And that is okay. Like it's your first time at the games or it's like, like whatever, just that unrealistic expectation of like, oh, I'm only here to win is yeah. such a, a letdown. But I think it probably comes from a similar place to <clears throat> when you, you know, like when you were first hanging around with Matt and stuff where you were like, well, winners win. And to be a winner, you need to do this. And then I think people hear like Matt's talked about it himself where people would say like, uh, you know, uh, next season starts tomorrow and he's like no it fucking doesn't like you know it's just yeah, these stock yeah. phrases that people 
think that like, well, I better say this or I'll look weak or people will think whatever. Um, but I think the like, you know, that's I suppose that's what I hope this show and shows like it do is they give people an opportunity to actually say like the truth and, you know, like not what they think needs to be like needs to be heard or should, you know, is supposed to be said or whatever. I think, you know, yeah, what you're supposed to say. Yeah, because like it, it is easy to slip into that, and you know, I guess you don't want to be the sore thumb that's sticking out saying like, "I'm just here to have a good time, man." <laughs> you know, like yeah, looking around yeah. at the bright lights. Have you got um? Have you got an off season plan then? Have you got? Because obviously, so let's see, we're in like August now, so we've got uh, like Butcher's Classic is in September. I assume you're not going to that. Um, and what, then what is that? Oh, it's butcher, in it's like a crossfit classic. event in denmark but it's like paired comps but i'm just thinking if you're in america probably gonna be awkward um but then like you know filthy is in november in ireland and then you've got like you know dubai hasn't been announced but i'm assuming it's gonna be on in december and then you got like Wadapalooza in january like are you is that something that you're interested in or are yeah, you kind of like oh, fuck it i'll wait till february so my mindset used to be I only want to compete maybe one off season competition a year, but try to make the games every year. Uh, and that put a lot of like, not even pressure. It just put a lot of uh, negative connotations of competing yeah. uh, for, for me. Uh, for a while I was like, oh, I don't like competing. I love competing. I think it's, I think it's stressful but I like the lead up to competitions. I, when the competition's over, enjoy it. The middle is stressful while you're competing, but I plan on doing two individual competitions over the, over the off season. Uh, and I plan on doing at least one team competition. I'm going to see if I can put together a little team and go have some fun. I mean, dude, competing on a team, some individual athletes don't like it at all. I think it's the most fun. Uh, so I'll probably try to do one overseas for sure. If rogue has a qualifier this year, I'll try to qualify in a rogue rogue. October. That's the one I skipped. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to have a qualifier, but I would like to do an overseas competition. And I was thinking maybe Dubai, but also maybe the filthy one fifty. Yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. That's in November, right? Yeah, the end of November. Are you? Do you? Are you part of a? Like, are you with Training Think Tank? You've mentioned them a couple of times. Is that just you enjoy their products, like you know what they put out? Yeah, I enjoy their, I enjoy their content, and I've got a couple of buddies that are with them. Do you? Do um, you program for yourself? Yeah. Okay. So I haven't always for five. I mean, through high school, I did. And then for five for your years, dad's sheet. I mean, come on, you're not going to waver away from that. <laughs> no, I was doing like the yellow brick road. Of, like you're not going to move off that. <laughs> literally the yellow brick road. Uh, I was doing all types of like powerlifting progressions and like periodization. And I'm a huge programming nerd. Yeah. Um, but for the past four years, Adam, who co-owns with his wife, Full Range, was my coach and programmer. And then when I was kind of burnt out, I was like, Hey, I'm going to do my own thing. And I have since. Uh, and so I have been writing my own programming for a year and a half, hmm. but the caveat to that is 
since February, I have been doing HWPO plus. So plus extra work, like two sessions a day. And then right now I'm very much like I am testing a lot of things in the second phase of the program and running a lot of those progressions, but at the same time doing a lot of things that I specifically need. Yeah. Do you think is uh, HWPO going to become like a training think tank or a comp train or something? Obviously I don't want you to speak out of turn if you're not, but like, no, uh, is it, is he, is he going down that route? Do you think eventually of like, okay, we've got an elite uh, track or whatever, as in like, I want to coach like three people or whatever. Yeah. I don't see him. He hasn't, he hasn't mentioned anything, but I don't see him like actually coaching anybody. Yeah. Just because I know how Matt does things and he like, if he's doing it, he is doing it. Yeah. And I think he's just got like a lot going on. I'm thinking Uh, of starting a, a, a rival to, HWPO. I haven't thought of an acronym for it yet. I was going to say, what's the acronym? <laughs> so I thought, so hard work pays off, but it's like, ah, am I going to put in that much effort? So then I thought like, like something like S-E-C-H. So it's like some effort can help. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it's like a soft core version. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. yeah, we'll do some push-ups. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, you can have some treats, like have some, have some dessert. It's fine. It's like, you know, a little bit okay. of effort here and there. Yeah. yeah, we'll do a little bit. You know, it's not crazy. Um, you can still have some chocolate. Yeah, I'll get like the, <laughs> I'll get the fair weather CrossFitters, like people who like, yeah. you know, want to do a week and then go, ah, do you know what? It's not for me. Or, you know, that that's, that's my market. Dude, there's this kid, do you, uh, comp trains photographer, Evan Wooten? No. Do you follow him? No, I will. Oh, I'm going to send you his Instagram. He like, that's kind of his whole thing. He makes a lot of jokes, put up a post the other day where he's like, a lot of people ask me how they can get like me, how they can be an athlete like me. And it's a really long, hard road to be an athlete like me. He's like, but the biggest thing is when it gets really hard, tell yourself no one cares and slow down a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's just so funny. Uh, I'll send you his Instagram. I his poster, his poster, all like that. He's like, yeah. when it gets really tough, just calm down. Yeah, just stop. Yeah, no one's gonna notice. Tanner Smith's no beside you. No one's gonna care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The, the offseason cool. plan though is to do a couple competitions uh, and at least one team competition and have a lot of fun. And I want to run a couple experiments as far as training goes yeah. and train in a couple different ways and see kind of what do you what have a cutoff then of like okay i need to like is there a date in your head say the, the opens in february are you like all right like mid-january all that like you know experimentation and all that kind of stuff is done like because i need to bed in for or is it different now because the open is a bit like I don't want to say meh, but it's like it's not yeah, I mean, as it, important we could as it say was. It, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. It's like the wide end of the funnel, say. So it yes. like it's by the time you get to is it are, are you thinking like, okay, April, because that's quarterfinals. That's when I need to be diving yeah. in, I guess. A hundred percent. Yeah. I need to put in a lot of good work over the off season. Yeah. Um, and I think good I think great work 
doesn't have to be perfect as far as like maybe what like having everything dialed in but yeah come april like getting ready for quarterfinals that'll be when the season really gets like when i become much 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 more dialed in or as dialed in as i'm going to be yeah 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 part of dialed in yeah um okay well look we finished with a quick fire um so they're all either or I kind of think the last one's a bit stupid, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, assault bike or echo? Mm, ass- uh, if I'm competing, echo. Oh, I would have thought the other, like, is assault bike not easier to, because like calories tick over and you can kind of send it a bit more and, or is that the so danger? That's why, yeah, that's the danger. <laughs> the, the echo bike, equalizes a little bit more between like the smaller guys and the bigger okay, yeah. guys. Okay. Yeah. Uh row or ski? Row. Uh clean or snatch? Clean. Bench or deadlift? Deadlift. Coach or compete? Compete. Uh hundred thrusters or fifty handstand push ups? Fifty handstand push ups. Yeah, I kind of like I type that out. I always when I get to the last one, I always run out of something like I usually yeah. sometimes I put in a joke one like, you know, pick your favorite kid or whatever. But like, you don't have kids. So it's kind of stuck. <laughs> don't have kids. So I was like 100 thrusters or and I just sat looking at, you know, like the flashing cursor. And I was like, I can't think of anything worse than 100 thrusters like for me. So no. I was like, and then I was like 100 handsome pushups. And I was like, no, that'd be 100, really hard. 100 cal, 100 cal assault bike. Yeah. Yeah. The handstand pushups just aren't as painful. Yeah, I was gonna say a hundred, yeah. but I was like, a hundred thrusters is easier. Like it's a larger muscle group for you know, like yes. yeah, you you can do those easier. Yeah. But again, I think a hundred handstand pushups would be as painful. Yeah, it wouldn't be for me. I can only do one, so I'd be okay. A <laughs> hundred singles. Everybody be waiting a long time for either the thrusters or the handstand pushups to finish up for me because I'd be probably yeah. doing both in singles. And. Um, and that uh yeah that would be less painful <laughs> um well listen thanks uh for coming on and i really enjoyed talking to you this is geez we've been talking for like two hours um yeah. but i like really thoroughly enjoy getting to know you and i think um you know something that i've kind of set out to do you've kind of mentioned a couple of times that you don't have a a particularly large online presence i think something that i've set out to do when i started doing this was to uh you know, leverage the big names to garner attention for people who deserve it, um, you know, just as much and maybe don't get it as readily, I guess. Um, and I think you're, you know, we talked about how it's nice not to be disappointed by people when you get talked to them. And I think I like, I really love talking to you. I think you're a great guy. Um, and I think I've mentioned there about how it's inspiring for, for like average gym goers to see people come to that realization that like it doesn't have to be all in it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like domination or nothing that there is there can be fun and there can be like you know ups and downs with it and stuff and i think it's 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 great to see that you're so open about talking about it and stuff and if you're here if you come for filthy um i was gonna say you can stay here we'll have a newborn <laughs> so <laughs> you can i'll book you a b&b down the road that'd be fine well- Sweet. We'll hang out. If I come to Rhode Island or uh, 
uh, Ireland. I really want to hang out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, listen, enjoy the rest of your day. Um, and thanks Thank again. you, dude. I, uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. Cool, cool.